This week, Chris and Hyde had a good marriage. Sure, they had their ups and downs like everyone, but they were happy. Great careers, a nice house, a couple of kids. Life was great. That is, until Hyde found a new best friend, who just happened to be a married neighbor and a friend of Chris's. As is often the case, that friendship was just the tip of the iceberg. And trust me, you won't believe Hyde's reasoning. Welcome to My Crazy Divorce. I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a failure as a man. It's just, I'm beautiful and I'm bright and I deserve better. It's a great day, I'm feeling good. Oh, the possibilities of what I could. Oh, do with the world at my fingertips. My imagination brings a smile up to my lips. Oh. Hello and welcome to another episode of My Crazy Divorce. I'm your host, Tom Milligan. I'm pretty excited to get right to the interview this week, mostly because it's such an insane story, but also because it took a lot to get it done. That's because Chris first applied to be on the show months ago, but due to some scheduling issues, we weren't able to connect for a recording session until about a month ago. (laughs) But we had some technical issues that took us way past my bedtime, so we rescheduled for another day. Unfortunately, something came up for Chris, so we had to reschedule again. Well, We're finally here, so let's do this. Well, let's do this as soon as I get out of the housekeeping stuff out of the way. As I said a minute ago, Chris applied to be a guest on the show, and so can you. If you have a crazy divorce story, just go to mycrazydivorce.com right now and click on the apply to be a guest button. I promise we'll have a great time getting to know each other and recording the show. I need to make sure you know that I am not an attorney or a therapist, so please don't consider anything said on this show to be legal or therapeutic advice. And last but not least, I realized the other day that a lot of our listeners probably don't even know that this is a video podcast available on YouTube. And I also realized I don't have a link to the YouTube channel on our website. I promise to get that last one fixed. In the meantime, you can find us on YouTube by searching for My Crazy Divorce. Maybe you can put some faces to the voices you've been hearing. Okay. With all that out of the way, let's meet Chris. I think that's a first. Be therapeutic. Right. It probably will be. I think, and what's interesting, when I first started talking about my own divorce on TikTok and other platforms, it was pretty, what's the word? Emotional. But the more you talk about it, the less emotional it seems. Obviously, it happened, it hurt, and but you talk about things and, wow, shockingly, they become less painful over time. Well, let's get started learning a little bit about you. Where were you born? I was born in a small town in West Virginia. Oh, it's almost heaven, if I remember correctly it, from it the song. It is. It's absolutely beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you're born in this little town in West Virginia. You grew up there, or did you move out early? Or? I grew up there. I left when I was 17. Did you grow up in a happy household? There was some eggshells at times. I have, there were five of us kids. We were actually a blended family. And my dad had some temper issues and at times alcoholism. Oh. Um, it wasn't all of the time, though. There were great moments, and I still consider him a fantastic father. He's not my biological father, but 
I consider him my father. I won't call anyone else that. He had his issues, but he realized it and tried to make up for it. But when I was younger, there was a lot of eggshell walking. But my mom was very much a nurturer. And Mm -hmm. we lost her in 2006. But she was the nurturer of the children. She was the kind. I've I've learned a lot from both of them. And... I thought I learned what to avoid (laughs) as I got older, but unfortunately, you can try to teach your kids everything, but, you know, some things are just beyond the scope. (laughs) Yes. So you have a total of five siblings in the family. How many of them are biological and... My mom had me before she met my dad. My dad had my older brother and older sister before he met my mom and my grandmother was taking care of them. My dad's mother was taking care of them. So mom and dad get together. Mom and dad get custody of the older two, and then they have my younger brother and my younger sister. But the amazing thing is the word step-sibling or half-sibling, I didn't even know what that was. We did not use that. We were a family. And nobody really asked because we were all young, very young, when they got together. I don't consider them anything other than my siblings. That's the way it should be. I always tell people I have four sons. And my oldest son is from my ex's first marriage. And he was he's my son. And he still is my son. It doesn't matter that I'm not married to his mother anymore. That's perfect. Oh, all right. So uh, you, you went to... Basically, all the way through grade school, junior high, high school, did you play sports? Were you a popular girl? What were you? I could hang out with everybody. I played sports. I was a cheerleader, but I was a valedictorian. So I could hang out with the smart kids. I could hang out. I didn't f- feel like I pigeonholed myself. And I don't even know where that came from growing up. Just I had this, and I still have it, an inner confidence that mm-hmm. I, it doesn't, I can talk to anyone. <laughs> That's great. So before we move into the last part of your childhood, did, what did your, what kind of a economic situation was your family in? Were you guys rich or are you oh, poor no. or were you in the middle somewhere? <laughs> I'm pretty sure we were poor, but we okay. didn't know we were poor. There were times when we absolutely knew we were poor. Those, my dad was a truck driver and the mine, of course, mines are were the big jobs and he would have to haul coal from the mines. And when they would go on strike, then I realized just how poor we were. But my dad was very proud. We never accepted government assistance or anything like that. But with five kids and him working, we hunted for food. We had a garden. We were very, we weren't like off the grid. Yes, our electricity got turned off a time or two, but Mm -hmm. my dad said it's, we're Amish this week. He would just play it (laughs) off and we're going to live like the Amish this week. And so it was almost an adventure for us kids. And I didn't know that we were poor. I think that's really great. Actually, I like that. We're just Amish this week. That's okay. You said you went into the military. So were you... Was that something you always planned on or was it just more, I just got to get out of here? I think it's something that I wanted to do. I really did want to go to college, but just I did not want to put that onto my family. And I knew we, by that time, I knew we weren't well off. 
and I did have scholarships and everything, but I wasn't worldly <laughs> and I knew it was going to be very difficult. And basically I wanted security and to be able to go to school at the same time. So I delayed enlisted in the beginning of my senior year. So when I did get valedictorian, a lot of people kind of was like, she wasted that. You don't want any smart people in the military. But now I was very set on my decision. My mom had to sign for me to go because I was going under 18. And and my brother-in-law describes it as she left when she was 17 and she didn't look back. I ha- I have looked back. I have went home as much as I can. But I think he just says traveled around the world and that's unusual for a kid from my small town. So Yeah. Which branch of the military was it? Air Force. Air Force. Okay. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. And by the way, I know it's cliche, but thank you for your service. I think that's oh. <laughs> always great. Thank you. Okay, so let's talk about your ex for a minute. And I think we're calling him Hyde. I have, I don't think I put this in the notes. This Hyde was my second marriage. <laughs> oh, I didn't know oh, that. Are we going to oh, talk at all about your first marriage? It was fairly brief, but yes, we can. And it can, it can really give context to the next one. Let's do that. Let's talk about the first one and then we'll go back and learn about Hyde, which is, I guess, the main part of our story today. Yes. Yes. So the, I was in the Air Force for about three, four years when I met this man. He was 10 years older than me and he was also in the Air Force and we started dating. I thought he was great. Everything he presented to me was wonderful. He seemed like a great guy. He was 32 and I was 22. He got orders to Alaska He proposes, we get married, he gets his orders to Alaska canceled. And I'm very upset about that. But with him, I did, I wanted to tell you, so it was, we dated for about six months and got married. The day of our wedding, a side of him came out, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde almost. So I had Uh two Mr. Hydes, but in different ways. He was upset that the guys that I worked with came to the wedding, (laughs) I had really? invited them. <laughs> they all dressed up. They made it a thing. They were there to see me get married, and he was not happy about it. So we argued about that on the way to the hotel. Um, wow. It I, completely blew me away. First inkling that he was jealous. And then on our honeymoon, we were in Daytona Beach, and I remember being in a supermarket, and it is just imprinted in my memory I was kneeling down to get pancake mix off a bottom shelf and he told me he said you're a married woman now in the trucks at work you can't ride in the middle anymore and I just remember turning my head and looking up at him and then I stood up and I'm like do you have any idea who you married (laughs) and it was kind of I said I'm not even going to talk about this with you that is ridiculous and he, wow. uh, he was, it, it was extreme, the jealousy. So I come home from the honeymoon. I call my mom and I'm like, are, are we of the religion where I can get a marriage annulled? <laughs> and I seriously <laughs> asked her that. And she says, oh, honey, it's just because he's older than you. He's insecure. Give him some time. Then he deploys and one of his guys comes by to see if I need anything. 
And I knew this guy for a long time. I've worked with him before. And he just wanted to see if I needed the grass cut. And I'm just, I'm very independent. And I'm like, no, but thanks for asking. And he went on his way. So I told him that so-and-so came by and he lost it. And he called his work and gave them orders to not go check on his wife. And it was humiliating to me. Wow. But my mom got sick and we were home. She was in the hospital room. We thought she had leukemia. And I was zoned out in the room. And my sister and brother-in-law were across the bed. And we were on one side and they were on the other. Nothing. All of a sudden, he just gets extremely quiet and he doesn't say anything, has nothing to say. And then we're on the way to my dad's house afterwards. And it was a snowstorm. And I'm driving. He is from the deep south, so I'm used to driving in the snow. So I'm driving, and he lays into me about staring at my brother-in-law's crotch. And I was just livid, livid. I just, I told him, I said, I can't, I just can't with you anymore. And I pulled over at a gas station. And unfortunately, my dad saw it because we got out and we were arguing and I was kicking snow on him. Nice. (laughs) Like the ball players in the home plate. I'm like kicking snow. Yeah. because I was just at a loss. So I told him then, I said, I just need you to go back to North Carolina because we were stationed here. And I said, I'll stay here with dad. And I don't know, somehow he was like, no, he said whatever. And I didn't want to make a scene and I didn't want to upset my mom who was already sick. Didn't want to make a scene other than kicking snow around. There was a small town. It was just my dad <laughs> driving by that saw he's the only mm-hmm. one. But I didn't want mom to feel that there was something going on with me when we had to concentrate on her. I swept that under the rug and I did tell him when I come back, I'm moving out. Somehow he talked me into it, and but it was a very brief we lasted not even four years, three to four years. Um, Congratulations on getting out of that. Wow. His father called me after I left him and asked me, if because I had asked this man, I told him he was sick, that he needed counseling, that we needed counseling, that something had to happen. And he absolutely refused counseling. And then when I left him, his father called and said, can't you go to counseling? I said, I offered that to him two years ago. And I said, it's not open for discussion now. Yeah, good for you. That's the first. (laughs) Okay, so let's, so this is, so just for context, when when did when did you pick a date? I mean, when did you go in the Air Force? When did you get married? Just so we in know 19, the timeline. Nineteen eighty six is when I went in the Air Force, and so we got married in nineteen ninety one. It was after it was like six months after Desert Storm because I was over there for Desert Storm. He wasn't, and I met him when I got back. So does that mean you graduated high school in eighty six? Yes, that's when I graduated. So of course, the best. Oh. Best graduating year. Yes. And you reminded me of something I forgot to ask about your growing up. So before we get to, or maybe we call them Hyde number two, before we get to Hyde two, I forgot to ask about your your religion. How big of a part of that, of your life was religion growing up? 
we we attended church. We had a family church, and it was the Church of the Brethren, which is very small. It's almost an offshoot of the Friends. How do I want to say it? It's like a combination of Methodist and the friends that hold meetings. We wore little prayer caps and it's still, it's a very strong presence in the community now, still back home. And there's, I only found one brethren church in North Carolina, but we attended that. I won't say we were regular because my dad was on again, off again. And my mom was trying to take care of five of us. I just remember getting our tails whooped before we went into church so we wouldn't act out. <laughs> and that was me and my brother, my older brother. It was, we it were, was a pre-spanking? <laughs> we did because my mama knew we, we were not going to behave. But yeah, I, I just can't even imagine how she did it with five kids. But so I, we grew up in, in a religious system. We prayed. We said grace before dinner, prayers before bed. And my dad kind of messed up my feelings about religion a little bit because he would quote things from the Bible when it suited him. Like the woman should submit to the man. And I think you can tell by now that that is so not my personality and never has been. So I questioned quite a few things, but I'll call myself spiritual now. I'm spiritual. I still pray every night. However... I have a different view of it. Right. So. Yeah, and, and I think that I wish that your dad were an anomaly. I think there are a lot of people that quote scripture when it suits them, and they yes. ignore scripture when it doesn't. Yes. Yeah, I wish there were only one of them, but unfortunately, <laughs> I think your dad is just like everyone else. Yeah, there, there's a whole lot of people out there like that, and I don't hold it against him necessarily. I was a tomboy and until I started showing feminine attributes and then he was like completely you can't go with me anymore but I would go everywhere with him and tag along but once he I was developing into womanhood he was like ah you need to stay with your mom yeah all right so let's go back to the story here so now you've graduated high school you've joined the air force you've gotten married to a guy who turned out to be a complete douche now divorced where in the world are you at that point when you got divorced we were actually separated we got separated in england we were stationed at lake and heath in england and that was a fight because i got the orders and he didn't want to go and i said i'm going <laughs> i said i can go for two years or i can go for three years two years without you or three years with you decide but i'm not if i turned down my orders i would have to get out of the air force which is exactly what he wanted and right. which was not going to happen. And I refused to have children with him. So I knew I wasn't going to raise kids in that atmosphere. Let's talk about how you met the second guy. I actually um, didn't remember meeting him the first time, although he remembered me. We were both, we had a promotion ceremony and my boss introduced us. And I didn't pay any attention to it. You get introduced to a lot of people and he didn't stick out in in my mind. And I was still married at that time. And then once me and the first ex were separated, I don't know, six months we'd been separated or so, <clears throat> I deployed to Italy <laughs> of all places. Oh, the worst deployment ever. It's my big joke for my whole career. It was ma- amazing. I, you work hard, but 
12 hour days, but man, you are in Italy. Yeah. <laughs> there, there were no complaints coming from me, but I actually met him there at work. I had a different, a specialty that he used to do. And my, the guy that was my assistant, he was supposed, he got hurt and got sent back home. So I needed help installing a nose strut and a fighter jet. <laughs> and as one does, right? I, So he, apparently he stepped up and volunteered and that's the first time I met him. And then everybody played volleyball and then I see him showing up to my softball games and stuff, but we didn't start dating or anything like that. And I get back to, we get back to Lake and Heath. I even think he went back at a different time than me. And I was, I needed to find a place to stay and everything was so expensive that my boss suggested a roommate and said he knew somebody looking for a roommate. Well, so hold on for a second. I'm not a military guy. Why did you have to find some place to live? What's the matter with, I thought they would have a base or a dorm or barracks or whatever they call it. I had enough rank and I had lived downtown on the economy. I did not want to live in the barracks. So okay. I got money to live off base. Oh, but, a stipend or something? Yes. And we called it COLA housing allowance, something like that. And he he needed a roommate. I needed a roommate. And it was on fairly soon. He was amazing. He was perfect. I used to teach aerobics on base in addition to working my job. And he would go to my aerobics classes and everything he liked everything that I liked. And we had so much in common. And I know now that it was love bombing. Yeah. Did not know that then. Had no idea that there was such a thing. Right. So this is probably 93, 94-ish. And all I know is he's amazing. And he moved fast, really extremely fast. And I kept putting the brakes on him. Let's just chill. Let's just chill. <laughs> and so we both got orders. We weren't married. We both got orders Back, I came back to North Carolina because of my mom's health, and mm-hmm. it was fairly close to my home. And I told you, I said, you don't go there because of me. And I said, if you want to go back to Florida, you go to Florida. And But the military is going to send you. I don't, I honestly don't know what he put on his dream sheet. I know I put North Carolina. There were eight slots for, we had the same career field, eight slots for it, and he got orders to North Carolina too. So we just moved in together when we got to North Carolina. And wow, he was starting to talk marriage. And I was saying, whoa, now I'll put the brakes on, put the brakes on. I really felt like I wasn't ready to dive into a marriage. And he was still, he was Mr. Wonderful. I mean, Mr. Wonderful perfect. So you said it happened pretty fast, but so you moved in as innocent roommates for how long? Maybe three months. Then it developed. And then it was like nine months later, we're coming back to the States. And so we move in together again, back in the States. It just made sense to share a house again. And that's when he started talking marriage and everything. And I was putting the brakes on saying, slow down. We don't have to get married. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to take the time that I didn't take the first time around. And my ex had been married before. 
maybe I should talk about his childhood. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this guy here for a minute. That's a great time to figure this guy out. This is hide number two, right? Hide number two. Where did he grow up? He grew up all over eastern Alabama and western Georgia. They moved 31 times by the time he was 18. He was raised by a single mom. His dad had an affair with his mom's best friend, and his mom had kicked him out. And he got to see, he took them a few times, but it was the stepmom that was tending to them when they were there. So they just stopped going. He really stopped trying to get them. And mom didn't get any child support. So they were very poor. She worked. And the reason for the moves is they would be evicted. Mm. Um, there was five kids in his family, too. One girl and four boys. And it's the youngest three that were in all of the moves. And his relationship with his mom, she relied on him to take care of everything. And... He was the good kid. And I thought, oh, I got the good one. Go me. Little did I know. (laughs) So he grew up. He moved all over the place. Sounds like an absolutely horrific way to grow up. Where I had structure in parents that set boundaries and rules. They raised themselves. And I mean, I don't. His mom did the best she could. And but they were on their own a lot, so no boundaries. And then I'm assuming religion was not a big part of his life. Actually, his papa was a pastor, Southern Baptist. They did go to church. And so, so the cheating dad was the pastor. No, that his papa was his grandfather. Oh, oh, I that don't, was I don't his know dad's that. his dad's grandfather. Sorry, got it. <laughs> I thought you said papa. Max or is trying to get in the. Hey, Max. Okay. All right. So grandpa's a pastor. So he grew up with Southern Baptist as his foundation. Yes. Did he ever, by the time he was maybe like at least in high school or whatever, was his mom still moving him around or was he, did he? Oh, yes. Still moving. So just never had a chance to ever really put down roots roots down anywhere. Nope. No long term. So... (laughs) He didn't have a chance. There's There was some trauma in his childhood, too, that I don't feel like it's my place to to share. But let's just say he wasn't f- beaten. He, w- he definitely was neglected. But there was some other abuse that happened. And that's... Yeah. That's, it's, un- that's it's very unfortunate and terrible. So now, did he join the military like right out of high school as well? He did. And he's incredibly smart. He, it was his security to get away, but he married his high school sweetheart Okay, um, right before he left. So that's when I said he was married before as well. And we were separated and divorcing at the same time, essentially, when we met. When you guys moved in as roommates, he was at that point going through a divorce? Yes. We were both separated because we couldn't legally divorce in England. It had to go through the courts in the States. So we could get legally separated, which is what we did. But 
I had done my thing, he had done his, and then we meet. So I was very adamant on not running into another, I'm not getting married for a while. I just kept pushing him off and he was persistent. Okay, so you're in England, you're with hide number one, things aren't going so hot, you get deployed to Italy, and you basically say, when I get back, I'm not coming back to you. Yes. Okay, so you're gone for four months. Yes. You come back to England and you say, I'm not going home, back to hide number one. I need a roommate. And in comes hide number two. Yes. Okay. Three months later, your roommate situation has turned into a intimate yes. relationship rather than a roommate relationship. Yes. And that goes on for another nine months before you both are transferred back from England to North Carolina. Yes. Okay. We've traveled around the world and gone back and forth and stuff, so I just wanted to make sure I understood all that. So you're in North Carolina. He's pushing you to get married. You're saying, hold on, buddy. What's the big hurry? I'm assuming by then both of your divorces are final. Yes, um, they are final. And I actually was hiding his Christmas present in the garage and found a receipt for a diamond ring in the garage. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> he had a house in Florida he had to attend to. And I went home to West Virginia. He flew up and I met him. We hung out for a couple of days. He takes me to a jewelry store and just looking. And I'm like, well, if we were, which one would you want? And so I just pointed to one. And apparently that wasn't, apparently he had already bought one while he was in Florida. Oh, and, and it wasn't anything like the one you chose? No. And, or so he says, but I also said, we're not there yet. We are far from that. And, or at least I am. So mm -hmm. I was pushing him off. And so instead he wants me to buy a house. So he has a house in Florida and he let's quit wasting money on rent. And you buy a house here in North Carolina. So he picks it out and I buy it. We set to renovating it. And it was great. We worked well together. We, I mean, we renovated a house together. Yeah. And he's still showering me with surprises and just being Mr. Perfect. And so two years into this, he proposes to me in a speech class. We're both in a speech class on base. And he gets up and does a whole speech and it's recorded and he gets down on one knee at the end and asks me to marry him. All the girls were crying. Everybody's crying except me. <laughs> I was not crying. I was in shock. Felt like I was put on the spot. But I, I went up front. I said, yes, so we're going to get married. He wants the wedding now. And I'm like, no, we'll do it next fall. Which would have been a full three years in the relationship. Three really, years is really a long good. time to, to put on an act. His acting skills are, and, and I'm telling you, it took it, so he's going to be continuing his acting. My little brother passed away the following summer in an accident. Oh. I did not feel like planning a wedding or doing anything like a celebration. So I postponed the wedding. And he understood. But I was also getting to the age. I was around 28 by this time. And he and his first wife had tried to get pregnant and they couldn't get pregnant. I had never been pregnant. And so we thought we were going to have problems. So I called my mom in September when our original plan was for me to go off birth control. And I call her and I'm like, mom, 
will you be upset with me if we go ahead and try to get pregnant? Because we felt like if we can't, we've got to start documenting that we've been trying this long. And she's, honey, <laughs> she goes, you already live together. What's the big deal? And, and I was like, okay, so there we go. I go off the pill. Very beginning of October, I'm pregnant. Four weeks later, it's oh. twins. Oh we my had twins right off the bat. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> his mom said he could not that he was in an accident when he was a kid and he could not get someone pregnant really and i was pregnant with twins so really quick like in december we got married in the mountains in georgia <laughs> nice and, um, what year was that that was this is 1996 okay so december 96 you're married, pregnant married. with twins. I'm pregnant and married and just kind of shaking my head at my life. I'm really happy that I'm having a baby. I kind of knew it was twins. I told my dad it was twins. My brother has twins. I have twins. So we're pregnant and I start having issues with the pregnancy. They put me on bed rest. Yep. And here's where a red flag or two come up. Okay. Up until this point... There haven't been any real red flags. The only one I can think of is I, we were looking for a place to rent right in the beginning. And I really wasn't really paying attention. But I saw him at that time checking out the landlord lady, like really checking her out. One other time we were living together before we bought the house. He come home and he's like, ooh, I got a phone number today. And I was like, what? And he had to go to this parts place or whatever. And the lady behind the counter gave him her phone number. And I just looked at him. And I was like, what in the world? Why would she do that? It, I said, Did, were you flirting with her? He's like, well, I might have flirted a little bit, try to get a lower price. That, and I just chalked it up to that. And what's the point in telling you that? What? I know, but you'll see how he operated and how... I did not get it, didn't catch on for so long. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So I don't consider myself someone that's easily manipulated. I'm not intimidated by anything, nothing. I was never afraid of him, not intimidated. I could hold my own in a conversation, in a discussion, in an argument. But later I found that he had a whole way of manipulating me that I was completely unaware that I was being manipulated. So anyway, those are the only two glaring red flags. And I think I wrote those in my notes to tell you about them. And we get married and everything is great. And then we get, we're pregnant. I'm on bed rest and he mm -hmm. likes to hunt. So he would come in, bring me something to eat or whatever. And I haven't talked to anyone all day. I've had no social interaction. And then he's giving me the eyes like, I really want to go out back hunting for a little while. Do you mind? And I'm thinking, fine, go. So I call my mom. And at that time you paid long distance. <laughs> I had an $800 phone bill in the Whoa. 1990s. I was like, well, he, he wasn't talking to me. So there. <laughs> you were probably paying eight or nine, 10 cents a minute. Yep. Uh, and 
didn't bother me at all. He's out in the woods hunting. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to my mama. <laughs> and I still well, had an income. We were both, both we could, I'm not going to say I was just flagrantly wasting money. I never do, but I needed socialization. <laughs> Yeah, And I was still doing homework for my college classes from my bed. and But he was still good to me at that time. So he was taking my homework to my professor, all of this great stuff. And then we have the twins. We have boy, girl. And he's a wonderful father. He was right there. But I'm that person where, you know, it's a we thing. It's not a me thing. Me taking care of it. It's a we. And, mm-hmm. and he was just as hands-on and as I'd hoped that he would be Mm -hmm. when I decided, okay, I can marry this guy. And we discussed how we were going to discipline the children and how, how we would deal with possibilities that would come up. What if one of our kids are gay and we're going to love them no matter what? Because at that time, if someone were to come out that they were gay, they were ostracized. They were. And I was like, how could you do that to your child? And I had lost a friend who had killed himself because his mom absolutely could not accept that he was gay. And so I, I just decided I'm going to do things differently. And fortunately he had a brother who was gay. So he, it was no big deal anyway. So we talk about all of that and we, we agreed on a game plan of how we're going to raise these kids in college. And then accident he gets a vasectomy this is so crazy because we had two we had a boy and a girl we were done he goes and he gets he gets a vasectomy wonderful good Good plan six months after the vasectomy i'm pregnant i'm just going to go out on a limb and say that you did not have an affair no, I did not. I had twins and I worked in the military. <laughs> but he did look at me like that, like I had an affair. And I, I just kind of was like, when would I ever have the time? But there, we did have a conversation because I was upset. At that time, he was jealous over someone that I worked with. And so there, first instance of jealousy popped up and I pounced on that. I was like, you haven't been jealous this entire time. What are you doing? He goes, I don't know. I don't know. And he straightened that up. And But he did look at me sideways when we were talking about the pregnancy and we were driving. He was driving and I remember I just looked at him and I said, DNA will prove the child is yours and you'll pay child support for three if you ever look at me like I did something wrong like that again. Good for you. And I was not having it, not having it. When would I have time? Right. Should have been a red flag. My mom always said they will project. Right. I was just going to say they're doing onto you. But he had me believing that he was a bit insecure sexually. He that he had to build up his confidence with whoever he was with or whatever. And we had that part, that aspect of our marriage was still one great, wonderful. And we were very busy. Three kids, two and under. Oh, man, were we busy. And I started to get more of the load. And. 
I started to go on strike with his stuff because he wasn't helping. And I'm like, I'm not washing your clothes if you don't help. So I stopped washing his clothes and just little things to make a point. And, and he, it would get better for a while, but he was still, he was still hands-on with the kids, but he wasn't as helpful around the house. Did you know you can get divorced without hiring an attorney? Let OurDivorce.com guide you through our three-step process for a simple flat fee. Visit OurDivorce.com to learn more and get started today. Well, so at the risk, I mean, I don't know the end of the story yet, but I will say that what you just described to me sounds pretty passive aggressive. Hopefully there was a little bit of discussion about it so he understood the point rather than just you hoping he got it. I'm pretty sure I told him. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember the exact conversation. Oh, I did tell him, look, I'm going on strike. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, I'm not washing your clothes anymore. Why? Because you don't help me with the laundry. I don't know. It's there. You got to tell me it's there. I said, no, I don't. I said, you can hear the dryer running. <laughs> you yeah. can hear the washer. I said, I should not have to lead you to it to get you to help me. So those were the divvying up of the home chores and by this time, we'd built another house. We'd lost, we lost the house to a flood. <laughs> and we, re, we built, which was he wanted to do it, got the three kids. I'm trying to pick out lighting and all. It was unbelievable why we even did that. But he, he deploys. We're in the new house. I got the three kids. He deploys. 9-11 had happened. Oh, and that was um, rough time. I'm pretty practical. I know what it's like on Air Force deployments. I've been deployed multiple times, been shot at, missiles fired at me. I know he's relatively safe. I know he's safe. I know all he has to do is concentrate on work. And one of the neighbors would ask me, I'd be outside mowing the grass and my three kids are running around the yard and the neighbor would be like, oh, how's Hyde 2 doing over there? And I, one day I just looked at them and I was like, he's fantastic. He has people that cook for him, people that wash his laundry. All he has to do is go to work. And I said, and he even has a pool over there. He's laying out at the pool. <laughs> there you go. While I'm out here mowing the grass. I've got it all going on juggling. And I didn't resent that because I wanted to be deployed as well. But one of us has, and I was very happy for me to be me to be home with the kids he comes home from deployment he's got this extra money and it's just burning a hole in his pocket and he's wanting to spend it which is a little different so I, something's off when he comes home and I'm not sure I can't really put my finger on it and I come home from work one day and I'm getting the kids their snack and I hit the answer machine back in those days I'm giving my age away and I hear a conversation between him and a woman. And there's nothing in the conversation other than them talking about their work days or what have you. Oh. But I called his voice, and this might be a little crude. The voice he was using with her was his, I'm going to get in your pants voice, <laughs> what I termed it. And I immediately knew that he had a relationship. I wasn't sure what kind of relationship, but I'm pretty headstrong and fly off the handle. So I call him at work and ask who it is. And he breaks down. He tells me who it is. So I call her. 
and I don't know her, but she was deployed at the same time as him. So I let her know that he has a wife and three kids and that I'd really appreciate it if she wouldn't be, if she wouldn't talk to my husband. So then I hack his email (laughs) and she sent him an email. (laughs) She didn't talk to him. She sent him an email asking him if he was okay. And I kicked him out. And I heard you say this on another podcast of why do women feel like they have the right to kick the men out? Well, that's a great question. That's why did you think you could? Because I wasn't living with him and my kids had the house and I didn't do anything wrong. He needed to go. He moved the camper on base and for six months he, he would be with the kids. We flipped shifts to where I worked at night and he was on days and he would pick the kids up or be with them in the evenings. We actually had a nanny that would spend half a day with us and he would put the kids to bed and then I'd roll in about 1231 o'clock in the morning. He'd have to go back on base, sleep in the camper and get up and be at work at seven. And it didn't bother me a bit. He tells me that they're not physical he he is doing everything he can do to get back in the house. We go to counseling. He tells the counselor that he was feeling resentful because I was critical of how he loaded the dishwasher, how he cut the grass. Like So oh. naturally you have an affair. Yeah, what a way. But he did not admit to being intimate with her in that way because he didn't have confidence. Chris, let me ask you a question. So this is 2002, 2003 timeframe. Had you ever heard the term emotional affair at that point in your life? I think I had. And I, and that's what I told him. I think I had, and I think I used that term with him because I, it wasn't all for him. It was, he kept saying I wasn't physical with her. And I'm like, but you share everything. You're sharing things with her and, I said, you put her in my place in in your life. So that's just as bad. But after six months and the kids did not know that he wasn't living at home because of how we worked it out. And they were still little. They were kindergarten, first grade, and the youngest was three. I let him come back. Mm -hmm. And like I said, we went to counseling and he started talking about that I was critical of him on this or that. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm taking it in. And I'm like, I contributed to this. Completely bought it. Completely bought into, apparently I can't ask him to slow down so he doesn't. Or if you get the dishes this way, then they get clean. So he he wasn't, he did not take criticism well. And I wouldn't do it in a mean way. I would never just be outwardly mean like that but I would be like look they're not getting clean can I show you and and now yes we probably did get into some discussions but never in front of the children we would go into the bedroom shut the door and have our discussion I did not want to fight in front of my kids so anyway I take him back it takes a while for me to get to to feel the trust and I do. He earned that trust back in my eyes. Little did I know. (laughs) Right. But he passed whatever tests you had devised in your head to get him to the point where you 
Yes. Allowed him to come home and you trusted him again. And I attribute my idea on marriage is that it's the long haul. You're in it. You're mm-hmm. in it to win it. And especially when you have kids. And yes, I was divorced, but that was those were completely different circumstances. He misrepresented himself. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I looked at that. He did not show me his true self. And when he did, it was awful. Switch over to this one. And there are still some really good things about him. And I can get past this. And for my kids, for my family, I can get past this. And that was very important to me. And I thought it was important to him. And he had told me he would never be like his dad. I mean, he said all of the right things. Mm-hmm. And so let's fast forward. We're raising the three kids. We both retire from the Air Force. We move on to different careers. He's very supportive of my career choices. And I have the load of the kids because I was, I made sure my hours revolved around the kids. And after retiring from the Air Force, I could do that. When was it? 2000. And 16. So we've, we've made it. 12, 14 years later. That's just great. Our twins graduated in 15. And the next summer I had a surgery. It was a pretty big surgery. There were complications. I was out of work for about two months and had this really good friend that lived down the street. And we're going to call her Jezzy. Jezzy is a pharmacist, doctor of pharmacy. And so Jesse was like explaining some of the meds that I got put on and just so helpful. Okay. In the previous year, we had been friends since our kids started school and they all played ball together. So we've been friends around ball teams, school, and but not my best friend. Okay. But good friends. We'd go walking together in the neighborhood. And there was a time or two when something felt off with my husband and I would ask my best friend about it and who's a different Sherry. I would ask Sherry and she'd be like, no, Jesse wouldn't do that to you. And and, because I thought my husband and Jesse were like. Just a little too close or. Yeah. And I would ask this unbiased opinion, best friend. She's going to tell me like it is. She always does. No, Jesse would not do that to you. And I think over the course of six years, I probably asked her about that three times. So thinking that it was me. Well, I go back to work. He's moving his mom in with us. The day she is coming, driving up, I'm getting her room ready. And he says, I'm going to take the dog up to the ball fields because his mom was bringing a dog and we wanted our dog to kind of be tired. He was high strung and he was a husky. And so he goes to, I didn't think anything of it. He goes to the ball field. I'm getting her room ready. And he comes back and he's like, oh, I just wanted to let you know, Jesse went to the ball field with me. And I looked at him and I'm like, why? He said, I told you I was going to stop and get her son to go, but he wouldn't go. So she went with me. And they took their dog. Did he tell you that he was going to get her son to go? Yes. And I just looked at him and he goes, it's okay. We just took the dogs up there. But it stuck in my head. Yeah. And I was like, she doesn't need to be doing that with you. And he was like, oh, stop. And he kissed me. 
And so then his mom comes. So two nights later, I have his mom. I took her to the senior center in the town where we lived. And I'm sitting outside while she's getting a tour and signing up and everything. And I'm in the car outside. And he calls me. He's on his way home from work. And I tell him what I'm doing. And he says, oh, he goes, Jesse said something when we were up at the ballpark about this fitness center. They take senior citizens for free or whatever. And that that did it. Yeah. I don't know why, but that did it. And the next night I didn't dig into it then. But the next night I dug into the cell phone records. Never done that before. Man. It, pages and pages and pages. You could not see the text, but it was very obvious yep. that. And his mom had just moved in with us. Oh, no. She'd only been there two, three, three days by this time. And I see all of this and I will confront you right now. Head on. I didn't take the time to hire a detective. I didn't get an attorney. I called her and I said, hey, I need to talk to you. I said, can you meet me halfway? That's what we would do, meet halfway in the street. Mm -hmm. She goes, yeah, sure. And then when I'm walking toward her, I call him. And he, what are you doing? I said, I'm on my way to confront your girlfriend. And he said, what? (laughs) And I said, I'm on my way to talk to Jesse. And I said... I got you. I know what you're doing. No, that's, there's nothing going on. I said, you either fess up now or you're turning me loose on her. Your decision. How much do you care about her? He turned me loose. Really? He would not say a word about them. Now, I have a job on base by then. I have a security clearance. I absolutely cannot get arrested (laughs) I really wanted to put my hands on her. I'll bet you did. Oh, Boy, I but, know that feeling, by the way, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I so badly. So her husband, who every time we were walking, she would complain about. He never helps her with anything. He never does this. He never does that. He spends too much money. He is outside trimming back the crepe myrtles. When I am walking up to her and I look at her and I look at him and I was like, oh, look at him. He's trimming, whatever. And she goes, oh, yes, I don't know where I'm going to put my Christmas lights now. And I just looked at her and I was like, man, I said, how do you like effing my husband? <laughs> and her face just went, and I was like, yep, I know you are. And she was like, I'm so sorry. I said, you are not sorry. That's what she said. said she said, I'm yes, so sorry. She said, I'm so sorry. And I said, you're not sorry. I said, maybe I should go over and tell husband, husband. Yeah. And she's, oh, please don't. And I said, why not? Yeah. Little ruin both of our families. And I was like, you've already done that. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe you of all people, you. And she has this reputation of being innocent and sweet oh. and would do anything for anybody she had this golden girl reputation where i had the i'm up front with you if i'm in a bad mood i'm in a bad mood i don't put on a fake smile and i don't go around picking fights but if there's some confrontation i don't shy away from it and 
I don't join it gleefully, but <laughs> I just heard, I said, I can't even deal with you. I said, you can have him. I said, have him. I don't want him. Wow. And I turned around and went back home and it was the week before Thanksgiving. In what year? 16. 16. 2016. Okay. The week before Thanksgiving. And he comes home and I am not speaking to him at all. And his mom is in the house. And I, we go outside and I just, I laid into him outside. I was like, just, I don't need, he, we're just friends. She's, we're just friends. She's like my best friend. And I was like, I said, you don't have best friends. Yeah, that's and not he helping. He didn't. And I was like, I said, no. I said, I said, you need to go. And he was like, can I, can I at least stay till Thanksgiving? So the day after Thanksgiving, he moves out. But we don't tell the kids, we don't say anything until the day after Thanksgiving, he calls them into the dining room and tells them. And my boys were so upset. What did he tell them? Did he fess up? Or did he just he say we're getting told, separated or what? He said, your mom and I are getting separated. He said, I've done something bad. He says, I've been texting Miss Jessie. And he said, your mom and I are going to separate. I made him tell, I was there, but I made him tell them. I was like, I am not going to hide this like I did the last time. That's not happening. And they were old enough at this time. My youngest was a junior in high school. Her youngest was a junior in high school. Our kids mm. grew up together. So that's November. We have a rental house that was empty, so he moved into it. And then his mom convenient. went over there. It was very convenient. And I think we both kind of hung on to it for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> I was tired of being a landlord. So when the last people moved out, that was it. I, I wasn't having it. And so his mom went with him. But I would allow him to come to the house to see our son. And our oldest son lived with me at that time. And our daughter was away at, at school. And our oldest son went to school locally. He, w I was, I didn't like that, but I wanted my kids to still have a relationship with their father. I wasn't mm -hmm. trying to poison their mind or anything. And so in December, he comes over and he says, I want to talk to you about something. And he said, I think I'm a sex addict. <laughs> okay. All right. I, you know what? I should. Uh, I had to look I it up. I shouldn't laugh because I'm sure it's a real thing, but this is convenient, if nothing else. When you, when I tell you the rest of it, you will, I think you might believe that it is a real thing. He says, I think I'm a sex addict. And I didn't even know what that was. So I had to look it up. And he said, he said, I need help. And. I was like, okay, get you a, get your, get yourself help. And yeah. I luck. still wasn't, I still wasn't having it. I wasn't, I didn't even want to look at him and we made it through Christmas, let him come over to do the normal Christmas traditions. His mom was there, made it through that, but it took a toll on me because you're hearing him say, I'm sick but you're trying to do what's right for yourself, but you also trying to do what's right for the family. Mm -hmm. And so I started waffling about then. Didn't oh. let him move back in. 
but okay. And he goes, I think you might want to see somebody too. I had no idea why he thought I should see someone. So we roll into January and he's got this therapist and all I wanted him to do is admit intimacy with Jesse. I, anytime we talked, I said, I just need you to tell me the truth because you're lying. I need the truth. I have to have the truth. And he absolutely would not own it whatsoever. We're just friends. We're just friends. And I was like, I don't believe you. I don't believe (laughs) you. He gave me the password to his emails. Now he's a network engineer now and he's all into the computer stuff. He gave me his password. I was like, if you really want to be truthful and come clean, let me look at your stuff. And he let me look at his phone. He let me look at the computer. Of course, I don't find nothing. I don't find anything. And I had to get smart. So when he gave me his email password, there's a plethora. I could be a private detective now. Mm-hmm. And I really hate that I spent so much time trying to prove what I knew in my heart happened. And I was on him to tell me the truth. And so he's going to these meetings for sex addicts and he leaves a meeting one night and he says, can I come over? I want to talk to you. So I was like, okay. He comes in, he sits down and he says, I'm going to tell you the truth. So I think I'm going to get the truth about Jesse. He's finally going to admit it. And I said, okay. And he goes, I've cheated on you a lot. Oh, no. And I was like, what? And he said, at least eight different women. And Uh, Wow. Okay. Yeah, we're getting crazy now. He said... And I'm just, I'm in shock. I'm in shock. And he said, I don't even remember all their names. And so he started, he started, I said, I want to know who he says, are you sure you want to know? What are you going to do with this information? I said, I want to know who, just tell me who, because my world is crumbling here. The world as I knew it was not real. I'm finding out and he listed off when he went to get laser eye surgery at Wright Pat in Ohio. He can't remember her name. When, when he went here, he did this. He can't remember her name. He, a baseball mom. And he honestly did. He said, I do not remember her name and she might even have had my child. I don't know. Two of them were people that I worked with. And I don't even, I don't even remember who all they were now. He did not own up to Jesse. Well, interesting. Why would he hold back on that one? I think she was the love of his life probably. And he thought I would go nuts on her. I don't know. I've never hurt anybody in my life, but I was incredibly angry at her too. I was angry at him, but I was more hurt by her because she maintained the friendship. He wouldn't even tell me how long it had been going on. The talking, the texting, the best friends. He wouldn't even tell me how long that was going on. But he told me about these eight other women. (laughs) 
I make him leave. I can't, I just, I can't. And I go into my master bedroom into the closet and I just lay on the floor because the kids are upstairs and I howl, I cry. Here I thought that we had a pretty good marriage. It wasn't over the moon fantastic, but our sex life was great and often and enjoyable. And now I'm finding so I'm, the things going through my mind was I need to get checked for STDs. Yeah. <laughs> and the first time I've ever missed work for emotional stuff ever. Yeah. And I've never had PTSD through my Air Force career. I've had the Scud missiles fired at me. I've been shot at in Turkey, but I go to a therapist because I couldn't, it was, I missed two, three days of work just didn't tell him what was going on. I just told him I was sick and it was a private pain. It wasn't a pain you advertise. It was yeah. a private pain. And I fought, he takes me to his therapist. And after he tells me this, I'm looking up sex addict. I'm looking up and it's called discovery and, there's all these terms that they use. And she said he was not supposed to do that. There is a, a certain way that they are supposed to come clean. And it's supposed to be in a controlled setting. And both both people are supposed to be prepared for it. Because what happened to me was I just got run over by a Mack truck. And the person who was driving the truck was my husband. And he didn't even get out of the truck to see if I was okay. He was so cold. He was, he just delivered it. And. Was it his, do you think that he was sitting there going, I am a diagnosed sex addict. So she's going to understand this. And I've got like a a pass. Here's Here's what he said. I told you I'm a sex addict. That's what he said. And I just, I said, I wanted the truth about Jesse. That's what I thought you were coming here to tell me the truth about Jesse. I had no idea. But here's the thing. There were more. And I I had made him leave. I go see his therapist. I find a therapist on my own because at this point I need help to sort through this because my judgment is I can't trust anything in my world right now except for my children. I can't. My world is not what I thought it was. And it just completely blew up. Wow. He was so cold and so distant that I was in shock. And then they told me I had PTSD. And I was like, no, (laughs) I've been in the military. I've, but I was having nightmares every night. I was, I couldn't sleep. I was up at 4 a.m. I went back to work after the three days, but I went through my days like a zombie and everybody could tell something was off. And I just, I did a very dangerous job at that time. And I was like, look, just keep an eye on me. That's all I want you to do. Keep an eye on me because I was training students out on the base around the jets and everything. And I said, I don't want to miss anything. I said, just something's going on. I don't want to talk about it, but just keep an eye on me. 
and I threw myself as, into my work. So. That's just as horrible. And I'm, I'm not comparing my situation to yours by any stretch, by the way. But I just remember that feeling when I found out that my now ex-wife Trinity was having an affair. And like you say, you just you question everything. Was it ever yes. real? Did he ever did she ever love me? Was were there others? And in your case, was there more than eight? You know, I mean, it's just this what in my world is real? Yes. And that's a tough thing to come to terms with that I'll never know. Three years of therapy, EMDR therapy, three years of before I could wrap my brain around everything that had happened and sort it all out because, like I said, I was on this, he's sick, this proves he's sick, and the back and forth, but I wanted to know, and you question everything, and I wanted to know it all. There were three women at his work and Jesse and me. All of at us the at same the same time. At the same time. And Holy so I made sure Jesse knew about that. That's how I was being petty and vindictive. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? If I got to deal with this, you got to deal with it. And I think by the time I was over it for good and didn't care and didn't want any part of it. I didn't want to deal with him, and I went no contact with him. 18. 2018. Or 18 women. No, 18 women. Holy crap. That, that he can remember. 18 women. How many of those were actual relationships versus flings? Not that it makes it any better, just curious. I would say four or five probably relationships and the rest were flings. So four or five relationships that were extended periods of time. Who knows if so they were any like truly relationships, but they the were. The longest period of time was Jesse. And at the time I found out it had been four years. It had been going on. Four years. Then when I looked back, when because you do a lot of self-examination, <laughs> and he would get up in the mornings on Saturday morning and be so wonderful and go pick up breakfast for me and the kids and him. Apparently, Jesse was doing the same thing for her family. Every Sunday when he would go to the base to get a haircut, he would say he's going to get a haircut and he's going to watch some football at the sports bar. He was meeting Jesse at a park in town. And she told her family she was going grocery shopping. And not long after I found out, I told her husband. Um, yeah, I just good felt for you. he had a right to know. And and they sold their house fairly quick within the next year because she had the nerve to walk in front of my house one day. And I was outside. That was not good because I let her know exactly what she was and told her not to walk in front of my house again. <laughs> yeah. And pretty much told the whole neighborhood she was a whore. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't expect me to just sit back and you go strutting your stuff in front of my house. And here's the thing. She's not even that great. <laughs> she's not even that great. I mean, I he needed to be. He said a sex slash love addict, and he had to have that beginnings, new feelings. But 
my therapist told me that I was picked out like I were a doll. Yeah. He picked me. And he said that he picked me the day of the promotion ceremony when we met. And he put himself in front when he knew I was getting a divorce. He put himself in my path. So what I thought was coincidence, what I thought was I ran into him here, or he was coming to the softball games or this or that, orchestrated. All of it was orchestrated to get me. And he kept up the act. And I don't think he knew what he was way back then, but he most certainly became his father. And I have a much better... I have a much better time talking about it now because now I can talk about it and my heart is not sliced apart. I don't take it. It wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. I was a wonderful wife, mother, spouse. We had our disagreements and I thought we were growing apart at times. So I knew when it wasn't great. But if I ask him about Jesse. I would look back now and the manipulation was he would point me in another direction because he would come home from work and say, so-and-so at work wants me to have lunch with her and her kids on such and such day. I just want to check with you and see if that's okay. Wow. Why does she honorable? I know. Right. And here I go. I'm like, why would she want you to have lunch with her and her kids? Completely distracted from, Jesse or Chris, I want to go back just about 30 seconds. You said, look, I was a wonderful wife. I did this. I didn't do anything wrong. And I want to just go on the record right now saying it doesn't matter. I mean, I'm sure you were, but just for anybody listening, this is like the biggest fight I have on social media with people is even if you were the shittiest wife of all time, it does not excuse that behavior. The fact of the matter is Shitty behavior in a marriage does not justify shitty behavior in a marriage. (laughs) I mean, that's the bottom line. And so, yeah, I mean, now the fact that you were a good wife, that you were all that, it just makes it even worse. But the fact of the matter is he was a shitty person. Now, the other thing is that clearly people listening to this who have like psychological backgrounds and degrees, it'd be very obvious. But I look at this and I think his upbringing where he never had roots, where his mother did her best but neglected him. Again, not on purpose, but because she had no other choice. I can imagine this young boy wishing he had that love of his mother. And I think, again, no no excuses, no justification here, just an interesting correlation where you can say, here's a guy that is just longing for love from women. Yes. Adoration, love and adoration. I definitely believe that his childhood played a huge role in what he evolved into because when I said no boundaries, he was watching X-rated films sitting on a roof of a friend's house down the street and there was an outdoor theater or something. I don't know. He, But he told me there were things he told me about that they did as children that I was just floored because in my house, oh no, (laughs) I had 
a different upbringing where I had rules, I had boundaries, I knew my parents loved me. I had some difficult times in my childhood, but nothing like his. And I think it did definitely, it definitely played a big role in it where he does not have the capability to truly love someone. Yeah. He doesn't know what a long withstanding love is. And his idea of love is that initial first, the honeymoon phases and the butterflies. And when that was over, he was on the hunt for other things that made him feel good. And it's a dopamine hit. So it was, my therapist explained a lot of it to me. Because at the time, you're, like I said, self-reflection. You're going back and you're like, how did I miss this? Right. How did this happen right under my nose? And sometimes I compare it now to the women whose husbands were serial killers. And uh-huh. because he could have been a serial killer and I wouldn't have known it. He was just that good of an actor. And I say he's Oscar performance. He should be given an Oscar because we were together for many years. Now, I kept taking on more and more of the kid duties. I was focused on this. I wasn't checking up on him. I, you shouldn't have to check up on your husband. And there were times he said, he goes, there were times that I was very jealous. He had followed me home from work before and I didn't know, (laughs) had no idea. He tapped our home phone line (laughs) before. I know I had no idea. And, but I think you get this feeling. I'd never felt like I wasn't good enough. I know I'm good enough. I've had this innate confidence and he didn't deserve me. And Mm -hmm. that's how I look at it. But at the time when you're going through the pain of somebody just pulling the wool over your eyes and I thought I was worldly and I thought I waited to marry him. I pushed him off and I got like the epitome of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, like so much worse than the first one. (laughs) You know, the first one was a walk in the park (laughs) compared to what I've been through with the second one. It's an interesting thing because you can say, you know, like we said at the beginning where I said you were together for three years, you'd think you'd know someone after three years, but, and it's hard to act for three years, but you know what? It's hard to act for 18 years too, or however long it was. His whole life. I think his whole life was an act. I think he, he becomes what he thinks people wants him to be like, he be, he was, when I told you in the beginning, he was perfect. And I mean, I couldn't believe he was wonderful. He was great, but I wasn't going to hop into marriage because I've been fooled like that before. I might've been the ultimate challenge for him because I had been fooled once before. There's no way I'm doing it this time, but he, the love bombing. And then if I were to get, start questioning him about something, the love bombing would happen again. I think that, I think it's an interesting At least for me, and there's probably a much better way of saying this. I've never professed to be the best orator. But the thing that I find interesting is there are people like him who I believe are truly incapable of love. And it's not that they want – it's that they want to love, I think. They just don't know how. And so what they do, I think, is they find somebody 
they watch other people in love and they go, oh, well, that's what I'm supposed to do when I'm in love. I buy them gifts. I buy, I go get breakfast for them. I do all these nice things because that's what loving people do. And then they find somebody who they believe is worthy of love, in this case, you, and say, I'm going to love this person. And they do that by acting out what they yes. see other loving people do. But then that doesn't, the word isn't cure, but that doesn't satisfy their needs. And so they continue to do that. I, again, yes. I think that's all true. I wholeheartedly agree. When my therapist said that it was like I was a doll on a shelf and he picked me out, I had all the attributes that he wanted, that he always says he admires how much I care about people. That was one of the things that he admires the most. And he said, and you have so many people that care about you. He said, but you're, you care about everyone that you meet, you're genuinely interested in them and have conversations with them. And, but it's, it was hard for me to deal with that. He picked me out and love bombed me and kept at it. And he told his mom, I was the woman he was going to have children with. And now this is a little twist on it because in the end, before I found out, he was going to a neurologist for brain fog. Hmm. And so it was after my surgery and everything and my health scare, he was going to a neurologist because he wasn't able to focus and he was having a hard time focusing at work. As soon as I caught him or discovered what he was up to, and he came clean about the first of the eight of the women, the brain fog was gone. It's a miracle. The brain fog was gone. And his therapist told him, he's, you were carrying the weight of the world and all your secrets. And then when you tell them to her, he said, you transferred that weight to her shoulders. He feels good now. He's He was being truthful and honest and he felt great. And that was a very difficult time for me. And I didn't tell people, Tom, oh my goodness. I didn't tell my best friend for about five months. I marinated in that by myself with a therapist for five months. And I didn't tell, and my little sister is essentially my best friend as well. It was nearly a year before I could tell her. And it was so humiliating and so awful, just awful that my entire marriage was a lie. Yeah. Now, I'm grateful. I, will, I would not take it back for anything. I'm grateful. My children are amazing, and they are wonderful, and I cannot regret that at all. He could have been there more for them when they were growing up. He was kind of disconnected and it's, when you're so busy, you don't even realize they're disconnected. You know, when you say you, you couldn't talk to your sister, when I found out about Trinity's first affair, we went to a therapist who said, you each need to have your own support system. Tom, you cannot rely on Trinity. She's too close to this. Trinity, you cannot rely on Tom. And then she goes, Trinity's already talked to her sister and her best friends. They've been talking about this for six months. And she said, Tom, who's your support system? And there's no question about it. I call my brother. He's my best friend. 
We share a birthday. He's five years older than I am to the day. We're best friends. We have been since the day I was born. And she said, oh, don't talk to Dave. He'll hate me. Now, like a moron, I agreed to that. And then I said, let me tell my best friend at work, Marco. Oh, no, don't tell Marco. He'll tell everybody. And so over, we went down this list of, I don't know, six, seven, eight people before I finally landed on this friend of mine, of ours, Sean. And I've often said, the mistake I made, the mistake wasn't forgiving her. The mistake was allowing her to dictate the terms of the forgiveness. Yes. That's the only thing I'd change. I mean, I still believe that forgiveness is not for the sinner. The forgiveness is for the victim. And I believe that it was really important for me to get past that and to forgive her. This is pretty bad, obviously. You carried it on your shoulders for a long time. An amicable divorce, sometimes referred to as uncontested or collaborative divorce, has been proven to provide better outcomes for everyone involved. I'll share the easiest way you can accomplish a collaborative divorce by using OurDivorce.com. But first, you'll want to understand why it's so important. Reason number one, a collaborative divorce is better. An amicable divorce costs a lot less. The average cost of a divorce in the U.S. is over $15,000, primarily in attorney's fees. With OurDivorce.com, it only costs $299.00 and payment isn't required until you print your final documents. Reason number two why a collaborative divorce is better. An amicable divorce is faster. A contested divorce takes an average of 11 months to go through the court system. With OurDivorce.com, it can take as little as a couple of hours, as quickly as both parties can agree and work through our simple three-step process. Reason number three, a collaborative divorce is better. A collaborative divorce is just easier. When you involve angry people and a bunch of lawyers, it always gets complicated. With OurDivorce.com, as long as you and your spouse can commit to being civil and work through the process, there doesn't have to be fighting or a bunch of legal paperwork and confusion going back and forth between lawyers. Reason number four, a collaborative divorce is better. An uncontested divorce gives you more control rather than leaving decision to the lawyers or a judge. With OurDivorce.com, you're in full control of directing the outcomes that are best for both parties, and especially any children. Reason number five, a collaborative divorce is better. After an amicable divorce, you have the ability to focus on your needs and the needs of the children, rather than focusing on a broken relationship with your ex-spouse. This means less stress on you and your children. At OurDivorce.com, we always hope that couples can remain married. But when that isn't possible, we give you the tools to have an amicable, collaborative, and uncontested divorce so that you can maintain control while working through the process more quickly. Just go to OurDivorce.com to learn more or to get started today. At some point, you said, this is enough. I'm out for good. Let's hear that part of the story. So he was living in the rental house and my contract job at the base was ending. And this was about a year after Discovery. And I was interviewing with SpaceX and I'd made it to the third or fourth round of interviews. And I would talk to my son. My kids were all for it. And I'm like, but I'm going to have to live in Florida. And my son, I want to stay here. I want to finish school because by this time he's a senior in high school. And so I 
talked to the ex and he had already asked me like a month before and six months prior to this, he tried to bully himself back into the house. And I said, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely not. But about a month before he had asked again to come back and I told him no. So here we are and I'm looking at having to leave for work So I told him he could come in because I was probably going to be headed out of town anyway. And the youngest wanted to stay here for school. And then I don't know what happened, but my last interview with SpaceX, I did not do what I knew immediately. It was like things I just couldn't remember things that I know and I taught every day terminology just would not come to my mind. I was going to be a launch quality inspector. And I was so excited. And man, I did not get the job. And I was crushed. Here I'm in the house with him and I don't get the job. So I land another job on base. And we attempt to work it out. It was difficult. And we tried, we were doing couples counseling with, he finally got a really good therapist who specialized in this issue. And I was hesitant about the couples counseling, couples therapy, because I'd been there before and found out that he lied all during that. He was still seeing that girl. I didn't know. Oh. I find out, this is all out. I find it all out later. And waste of time and money and emotion. Yes. And- so I finally agree to go to couples counseling. Then he's done. And in October, he was like, I think I need to put some distance between us. He says, how about if I move back over to the rental house and work on this? And I just looked at him and I was like, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. I think you should do that. And after he moved out, I said, I'm done. And now technically we are still married. (laughs) Because I was concerned once the youngest graduated high school, like in our state, you don't have to put your kids through college. That's not like he wouldn't have to pay. He wouldn't have to help mm-hmm. put him through school. And we made way too much money for my youngest to get financial aid or anything. I was worried he would go off the deep end because financially he was not as responsible as he could have been. It could have been, and I was concerned about this, but also he he would get these crazy ideas. One year he said, oh, no, they don't deserve gifts from Santa this year. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I just, I know now he was, it's what they call jonesing. I didn't know this. He was jonesing at the time and upset at everything, and he would be upset with me and the kids. And he didn't want to get him anything for Christmas. And I was like, well, over my dead body, (laughs) I said, Mm -hmm. we have great kids. I said, all of them are on a honor roll, blah, 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 just listing off. And then he looks at me. It was like, he hadn't heard this before. He didn't know this about our children in his head. He'd just turned them into the bad guys or something. And then he went overboard and they each got a four wheeler for Christmas. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what? And so I didn't want to rock the boat with my, with the kids college. Cause the twins were in there coming up close to their senior year of college. And the youngest was going to be a freshman the following year. So there were three kids in college at the same time. And you can save and plan, but it's it's still a lot of money for them mm-hmm. when they go to school. So you still need to fork over quite a bit. And 
so we've just been separated and I haven't rocked the boat. We've discussed divorce, but he gave a generous amount. Like he paid for 60%. I paid for 40% of total everything. And then we sold the house that I was living in. I sold it a year and a half ago. And I moved to Wilmington where two of my kids are. And I still see my other one in the other town quite a bit, the oldest. But he just brought it up, I don't know, a month ago. And we just hashed out everything and it'll be final in December. And I'm completely good with it. And we're not fighting over anything he's he's he has paid his part he has maintained that part because he did direct Mm -hmm. deposits i made sure that it was set up to where no matter what that money came and i've been able to keep a good amount aside for the youngest who's in his senior year and the twins just turned 25 so they are now we said at 25 you come off the car insurance and the phones and everything we're going to help you until then and then so now they're off of that but and all three maintain contact with him but it's not a lot Um, yeah i'm sure they're disappointed in dad yeah but i've tried not to make the bad guy and he is the bad guy but i tried not to make him the bad guy he's got issues there's no question there he wants to be friends and i just i said no i said i'm not i can't i'm not there i said i can forgive what you did but i can't the forgetting is the difficult part my ex trinity when we separated you know, it was right after her second affair and I was crushed and my world was falling apart. And, but you know what? I, we lived in the same house for the next month as, and she talked to her boyfriend every day. And I was looking at dating apps and saying, Hey, what do you think of this woman? Should I go out with her? I mean, it was a very strange 30 days, but it was perhaps the most valuable 30 days in my healing process because I saw how detached she had already become from me. It wasn't any question. It wasn't like maybe I could win her back. It was every, I mean, we both worked from home and literally every day I saw how detached she was from me. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is how it is. I have to accept it. And I could see it every single day. And that was okay. So we were actually we were friends. And then she moved in with her boyfriend. She moved to Philadelphia from Salt Lake City. And my my three oldest boys and I, so her son and my twins, we all moved in together. And so she and I would talk to her three times a week about the kids, about how things were going out in Philadelphia where she now lived. And we talked. And then, then I will be completely blunt. I put out my first ever TikTok which talked about my story. She did not like that. She especially didn't like that it got over a million views overnight. And oh, wow. It painted her, it doesn't paint her in the greatest light because, quite frankly, she did some shitty things. And I don't call her out. I don't use her name. There are no pictures. I mean, I just say, hey, look, here's what happened. And, but I got a million views. She calls me up the next day and just reams me for that. And that's the last time I've ever heard her voice. So that was two years ago, last month. So I have not heard her voice in over two years. Now, we've had to have a couple of text conversations since then. Like we got our 2018 taxes got audited. So we kind of had to work out a couple of things there. And 
But here's what I find the most interesting is after our tax audit was taken care of, this was in April of last year of 21, it's over with. I'm thinking, okay, we're done. Never have to talk again or communicate again. And she starts going down the path like we're buddies. And she sends me a text. I remember the one very vividly. I was actually at my girlfriend's parents' house, my ex-girlfriend now, but at the time. And I get this text from her that she says, hey, did you know that Aaron Rodgers is the guest host of Jeopardy this week? Because I'm a huge Green Bay Packers fan. And of course I knew. I'm um, an Aaron Rodgers fan. Oh, there you go. <laughs> my my whole left bicep here is a Green Bay Packers tattoo. And I and I so she said, Did you know this? And I'm like, Of course I did. But I'm thinking, I don't even know if I want to respond to this. This is stuff buddies say, right? And I literally sat on it for a couple of days, just kind of going, I don't think I wanna I ended up responding a couple of days later and I just said, Hey, Trinity, while I appreciate the neutrality we've achieved in our relationship. I think it's best that we may, that we limit our conversations to our children, taxes, or legal issues. Yep. And she has honored that. Except for one thing, about three, four months ago, she texted me to let me know that she just had to hear about my brother's cancer diagnosis, which, uh, wonderful. Thank you. That was very nice of her. But again, there's no reason, in my opinion, for ex-spouses to be best friends or friends at all. There's no reason to be enemies. I wholeheartedly agree. And that's what I told him. I could talk, I used to could talk to him about anything work. I, like I said, I thought we had a great relationship, but I don't want him to be that person for me anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't need that from him. I have my own life and we talk about the kids or finances. That's the extent of it. it taxes. That's all I want to talk to talk about. And he's become pretty religious again. <laughs> so he prays for me. Okay. And I just, I told him that I will know that you're truly healed. I said, when you make amends. And I said, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I'm on that list somewhere <laughs> for amends. <laughs> I and would say. He's like, I'm not supposed to do that if it's going to hurt me or hurt someone else. And I said, you still don't get it. I don't track his life. I don't know what he's doing. I text about the kids or finances, and I am perfectly happy with that. So it's what I needed to move on and to get away. I had to disconnect from him. Sometimes during the end of one of these shows, I say, Gal, I'm so sorry to hear about all this. But other times, like today, congratulations for getting (laughs) out of it. Congratulations for knowing your self-worth, knowing that it's not your fault. Congratulations for being you. That's some people would not be as strong as you are. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Sometimes I look back over things and I'm like, wow, I'm surprised I wasn't in a hospital somewhere. In the fetal position. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. I was in my closet in that position crying one time. But no, I actually have the outlook of we are here to learn lessons. And you know, I kind of thought my life was going along pretty good. And wham, the higher power (laughs) decided that there were some lessons that I needed to learn. And I have, I've learned and I've grown, I hope. Um, Yeah, that's all we can do. So thinking of growth, 
you've been through the ringer. You've learned some lessons. You've you've spent a great deal of time in therapy and reflecting on what happened to you. What lessons have you learned or what advice would you want our audience to learn from your experience? Don't accept less in, in your marriage. Don't accept less. Keep yourself at the forefront at the forefront. I mean, you don't have to be selfish, of course, but I grew up in a time frame where the women were the givers, the nurturers, the doers, and I accepted less over time. And it happened over time. And I got less and less from him to where I was doing the heavy lifting with the family and everything, but I accepted less for myself as well, as far as in what my partner should be giving to me. And I'm never going to do that again. I am going to keep the standard here. And because I feel like I let him slip, slip, and then it was just okay. And I did not place the importance on myself. So I don't know if that's hard to understand or do you get it? I get it. I think everybody's going to get it. I think it's beautifully said. Well, Chris... Thank you so much for sharing. This has, like you said, you get to that part and you're like, holy crap. And if you ever write that book, I want to I, let me know. I'd like to get a copy. I will let you know. That's all I can say. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you for having me and letting me share. 18? 18. That's, well, that's almost impossible to believe. I'm sure I'm going to get a ration of shit for this, but I have to be honest and tell you, I think his addiction is bullshit. Just because you like something a lot, that doesn't make it an addiction. And like I said, I'm sure someone will send me a nasty message telling me how real sex addiction is. Fine. We disagree. But you know what? It really doesn't matter. Whether he's an addict or just an amoral asshole, his actions hurt Chris deeply. I applaud her strength and her drive. And I'm so glad her kids are there for her. I wish them all the best. I really hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, be sure to let us know by giving us a five-star rating on your podcast app. Thanks for being here. Have an amazing week. Bye. I'm a failure as a husband. I'm a failure as a man. It's just... I'm beautiful and I'm bright and I deserve better. It's a great day, I'm feeling good. Oh, the possibilities of what I could. Oh, doing the world at my fingertips. My imagination brings a smile up to my lips. Oh, divorce doesn't have to be complicated. Our divorce.com's three step procedure provides a simple and affordable process that you can follow at your own pace. Save thousands by visiting OurDivorce.com today.